Hello guys, we're gonna have a very weird one today, because we're gonna be sleuthing for shrimpy. What? Well, today's guest is Garrett Kelly, the co-founder of Liminal Earth, which is an online map that documents high strangeness events all across the world. But its humble beginnings started off in the area around Seattle, Washington, where Garrett and his friend Jeremy were collecting all of these weird-ass stories in a rather sterilized, clean, urban environment. But after moving to the smaller town of Bremerton and being exposed to this weird-ass story of a woman who saw a giant shrimp in her basement. Garrett has found himself digging into rabbit holes searching for clues, which eventually led him synchronistically to embody the shrimp itself. Yes, guys, because Garrett actually dresses as a giant shrimp, walking around his town promoting the story of Shrimpy, inspiring high strangeness thinking in a rather urbanized environment where nothing really happens, and most importantly, contributing to the remythologization of the land itself. Listeners, today with me is Garrett Kelly. Hello, Garrett. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, we're pretending that we have not been chatting for like 15 minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the listeners, I was getting Garrett comfortable because I know, Garrett, that you usually go on podcasts with Jeremy, and I wanted you solo today to talk about Shrimpy. <laughs> yeah, he's usually my security blanket, so. Yes. Uh, okay, well, for those who do not know, can you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Garrett Kelly, and I live in Bremerton, Washington, um, and I do a crowdsourced map called Liminal Earth with my um, friends Jeremy Puma and Bex Atwood and a bunch of other weirdos involved. Um, people submit their stories to us of strange things that have happened to them and we map it. Yes. So for those who do not know, it's essentially a world map with all of these uh, flags of weird, strange ass events that were contributed uh, by, you know, listeners like you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're always looking for people to tell their story of whatever bizarre thing that has happened to them. And I think especially things that are not, I mean, we'll take anything like ghost stories or UFOs and Bigfoot, mm -hmm. of course. But I think we are personally interested in things that are even weirder than that. Oh, yeah. The high strangeness. Yeah. Also, like, apart from being the co-founder of Liminal Earth, you also appear to be the avatar of the giant shrimp of Bremerton. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is true. Uh, I've taken on this other identity. Would you see that as kind of a superhero alter ego? Because you <laughs> oftentimes, you know, dress in costume. Yeah, I do. I It does have like a uh, mascot feel. And I, I actually have more than one shri giant shrimp costume. And people come up to me and they know me as that and i live in kind of a small town <laughs> but people do recognize me as the shrimp guy so <laughs> okay man so my whole idea for getting you on like obviously I, I want to hear about shrimpy but also like this is something i've been tackling on my show a few episodes now i did an episode on the selbyville swamp monster i don't know if you're aware of that story but like in 1964 in selbyville delaware a guy dressed up as a monster and started you know scaring people uh, across a highway he did this for a few <laughs> months until they 
suddenly, you know, gathered in posses and started shooting at him. So he, oh, wow. okay, yeah, he it. stopped doing that then. But decades, even decades, like after he stopped that, people still kept seeing the monster. So mm. it's like he re mythologized the land. You know, there was already mm. this little known myth about a Selbyville swamp monster and him doing that kind of imbued the land with this mystical essence, you know, that inspires people. And I see what you are doing with Shrimpy and generally you, Jeremy and Bex, what you do with Liminal Earth as kind of that kind of uh, reminding people not that we need to make the world magical, but that the world is already magical, especially yeah. urban areas. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I do think, yeah, I, I'm interested in, Jeremy says that that phrase a lot, remythologize the landscape. Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, engaging with the world that way, trying to see the magic in it that's already there and cultivate it a little bit, I think is good exercise. So we started that map in Seattle because we were feeling pretty down about how Seattle was changing and becoming very like sterilized and uh, all the stuff that was there that made it unique and like, ramshackle or whatever but it would give it its character was just turning into these like big borg boxes and uh really flat i was i was talking about this the other day about how there's like no trash on the street and to me in certain areas <laughs> and like i i kind of like i don't like littering and trash don't so yes <laughs> but, like, yes. but like there's some sometimes like messages from the universe and trash you know <laughs> yes as exactly you're you're looking at a pile of trash and it's like pareidolia like you see <laughs> yeah. something in it Right. No, exactly. It's like uh, it's a bit of randomness that like maybe inspires you. For me, I, I love finding like notes on the ground and that kind of thing. And I just think it's like a symbol for like how Seattle was changing and mm -hmm. becoming kind of like like uniform. Right. And so we were trying to kind of preserve like, oh, where this is places in Seattle where these things have happened to us that are weird. Um, that's how the map kind of started, like weird encounters we had had all over Seattle. So sorry, then I was moving to Bremerton, which is across the water because uh, it became kind of impossible to it's very hard to live in Seattle, I think nowadays. Um, so we moved across the water and Jeremy's like, oh, I'm going to look to see if there's any just old stories of monsters or anything in Bremerton. And he found the giant trim store. Story and sent it to me and I was like oh he's like you have to go find this okay man so so we were chatting before recording I asked you did you find out about Shrimpy before or after Liminal Earth and you told me after so yeah. when you heard of Shrimpy you already established Liminal Earth that's right yeah Okay. And so it's kind of uh, synonymous with me moving to this place I didn't really know that much about yet. You know, it's like like me learning about where I'm going to now live and like set down roots. And like, this is the story, you know, it's kind of my like guidepost or whatever of like what weirdness is over here in Bremerton. And that's a good place to start, I think, is this giant shrimp someone saw in their basement in the 40s. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I see like every, you know, piece of mythology, folklore, paranormal story or, you know, just general random weird ass story like that of shrimpy as yeah. kind of a gateway to uncovering details about the history of the land um, right. and uh when you dig deep enough into it whether the story is real or not becomes very irrelevant because it's like the land calls upon you to lure you in with this <laughs> cool story and then it wants you to dig into its history and to retell its own story yeah that's great exactly <laughs> that's why i don't care so much about deep 
debunking people's stories or like finding out the truth always. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested. I do feel like it's like the journey part of it is the most important thing. And like all the like tangents and the, the built up mythology that comes from just like learning about it, digging into it. You just, yes, like that the process part of it is the most important thing. Man, so today on Facebook, I saw somebody post like, I, I think Joe Nickel was on a podcast the other day talking about the Kentucky Goblins, you know, mm-hmm. and that they were probably barn owls, which we've already known for decades. Right. But like th- this story happened in 55 in Kentucky and the world did not change whether the goblins were aliens or owls. So yeah. it's totally irrelevant. <laughs> uh, but right. I-, I-, I commented like, who cares if they're right. aliens or owls? What we should care about is how they have become a pop cultural icon and influence artists now. You know, I cover right. that on my podcast in one episode. And then I got an angry response from this person <laughs> who is the true believer type. Right, right. That's fine. Yeah, I definitely run into that where people are like, you know, they're super interested in, the, you know, debunking or like that saying that that's not real. And it's just not my interest. I mean, I do think if, if someone's like very scared or like, or there's some kind of danger involved or, mm-hmm. you know, problematic disinformation or something, then it makes sense to debunk. And I believe in science and stuff. But I think overall, the way to engage with this is just, it's fun to go down the path and like, uh, it's kind of like uh, dream interpretation in your real life or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the historical, you learn all this historical things if you really dig into newspapers and stuff. And I, I love doing all that. You know, oftentimes we hear stories of, say, a haunted location and everybody's seeing this ghost of a supposed historical person there. And then when you go into it and dig into the history, you find out this person never existed. Right, yeah. But you uncover so much history. So it's like something is luring you in with this image of a ghost. It, it's just a gateway. And right. <laughs> people oftentimes find themselves just, you know, uh, focused on that illusion, you know, that lure, instead of digging further into what the lure is trying to lure them into. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so can you tell me how you, you know, found out about Shrimpy and how you went about to investigate this weird ass case? And for the listeners, like, maybe tell us something about the case. What is Shrimpy? <laughs> Yeah, so Jeremy found it when he was searching Bremerton cryptids or something and monsters. The basic story is this woman named Virginia Staples in 1948 said she was living in this apartment on a street called Denny Street in Bremerton. And she was going downstairs to do laundry in the basement. And I think her landlord had said, or down in the basement, there was holes in the walls. Mm-hmm. And her landlord had told her that the holes reached all the way down to the ocean if you crawled down through there. But anyway, she was doing the laundry, like hanging it up. And she felt like there was a presence behind her. And she turned around. She saw this like six foot creature that had like orange legs and antenna was like looking at her. And of, of course, like freaked her out. She ran upstairs, like packed her suitcase and got the heck out. And she didn't come back. She said she went to Seattle. Yes. And then she eventually went to an aquarium in Seattle and saw a shrimp. <laughs> and she's like, this looks like what I saw, like a shrimp, a giant shrimp. She did come back to Bremerton once and it would all been torn down. Yeah, I, I have the article here. She said that the house was torn down and also that the Navy kind of expanded in Bre- Bremerton. Is Bremerton like associated with the Navy? Yeah, so there's a big Navy shipyard here. Parts of it are like gated off. It's not like a base 
but it's like you can't i can't just walk out onto it and you know they like repair subs and aircraft carriers and it's all out there in the water so so it's like this uh, urbanized environment kind of taking over the land now yes uh-huh. when it was created it was created you know as far as in the u.s like created as a navy place that's why bremerton even got developed yes and i i do see okay like when we dig into this case it was published in the 90s in a strange Mm -hmm. magazine issue six and in the 90s this woman called the magazine to talk about this encounter she had in the 40s right and this is something we often see with a lot of these cases from magazines like i recently talked about something that was sent via letter to ray palmer in the 50s about something that happened in the 20s a guy in nevada a pilot uh, seeing a uh, flying amoeba in the sky that was uh-huh. injured. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot of these cases where these pulpy magazines get either letters or call-ins of people talking about cases from decades before. And obviously, you know, if we're going to be debunkers and skeptics, you know, that's very dubious, but who cares? <laughs> Right, <laughs> because right, right. <laughs> this whole story sent you, you know, down a path where you're now uncovering even more lore and mythology in Bremerton and kind of as we're talking about remythologizing the land. So what did you do further with this uh, knowledge? I read somewhere that you contacted some historical society there. Yes, I did contact the Kitsap Historical Society, which is the county chapter or whatever. Uh, they couldn't find anyone by that name who lived here, according to like the address book or whatever. I searched for like census records and I did find two people with that name. One of them I think was 16 at the time. So I don't think it was that person. Um, and the other one did move around a lot in this area, had a lot of different last names. She said her name was Virginia Staples on that call that she made to Strange Magazine. But this person had like four different last names at one point and I contacted like that woman's daughter is still alive and 80 years old and I sent her a letter saying did your mom ever talk about a giant shrimp I never got a call back uh, for that but I did find that woman's son and I talked to him on Facebook and he was very adamant that it was not his grandma uh, he's like if my grandma saw a giant shrimp she would have told me he actually I think doesn't want me to bother him anymore about it um, <laughs> especially if you're now known as the shrimp guy yeah, town. I told her, like, why does this guy keep bothering me and looking up researching my family and stuff? I kind of do <laughs> think it is this is the person. Um, the other reason was because I just have found some evidence that she has uh like a brother-in-law that was at her wedding that lives in Port Orchard, which is like five minutes away from Bremerton. And he was at he was the one like signed the witness paperwork of her marriage license. So like that he must be close or must have been close to her. And yes. that's like that's a reason for her to be in this area so what i just feel like she may have been here for a year or two and when this happened i I can't prove it but it just seems like they're saying oh she never lived here she never lived here but it's clear that she moved around a lot just from Mm -hmm. what i researched on her so i want to give them their peace that's fine if they don't want to be involved and i don't want to bother them i feel like this is who it was it's sad to me because i do i feel like i've done all this research on this person but i don't know what she looks like because i'm not trying to make fun of this person at all you know i think it's an interesting thing that happened and I, I want to know what happened. It's an interesting like even if this story is not real it's an inter- 
interesting like anomaly in the history logs you know maybe yeah. a neighbor who had problems with this person called in and used the name <laughs> of the neighbor that they hated you know yeah, maybe it's uh-huh. that right someone totally uh-huh. yes yes or making a crank call or something but this happening and then being documented just it's kind of like a anomalous blip in the history records now you know right right and it's so it's such a unique thing to have seen i think also the other thing about it is oh one thing in the story it says that she starts crying because they uh-huh. were transcribing her phone call so it seemed like it's like to me like she's either good at crying on command you know or they put that in the article that she's starts yes. kind of crying telling the story okay and for the listeners i'm gonna read you the article now Okay, guys, now I'm going to read you the article that inspired Garrett with this weird-ass story, and the article was originally published in Strange Magazine, issue 6, of June of 1990. The article is titled, Giant Shrimp in the Laundry Room, and below it says, Transcription of Tape Recorded Phone Message. So, so this was a voice message left on tape via phone call, and this is basically that transcription that the magazine editors uh, put in this, uh, I think, special segment in the magazine where they would put these stories that came via call. And the story goes, Hi, my name is Virginia Staples and in 1948, I lived in Bremerton, Washington. The apartment where I lived had a gigantically huge basement. There were huge holes in the walls and the apartment house manager used to tell me that it was rumored there was a passage to the water. The huge apartment houses were so close together and they all had basements and they were old buildings. There was a washer and a washtub and a clothesline. And on this particular day I had gotten my clothes all hung up but I kept feeling someone was staring at me or looking at me. And it was such a creepy feeling. I finally turned around and looked towards the back of the basement and froze. I was so scared I can still feel it. I couldn't move. In one of the huge holes in the basement, there stood this thing. In brackets, it says, she breaks down here. Oh, it was horrible. Okay, guys, I'm not going to voice act that much because I don't want to be offensive. I stand five feet tall and this creature was as tall as I was. It had a bright orange colored body and little spidery thin legs and antenna on its head that kept moving back and in and out. And then in brackets, it says crying now. Ah, that thing started towards me. Okay, I'll I'll behave. I backed out of the basement and got up to my apartment and I packed all my things and moved. I was so scared. I moved over to Seattle to my cousins. I went to an aquarium to see if I could see anything that looked like what it was. And the only thing that I could find that looked anything like it was this little tiny shrimp. But it just doesn't make sense. I had horrible nightmares for years. I finally got up enough nerve. A couple of years ago to go back and revisit Bremerton. But the Navy has enlarged so much and the apartment house on Denny Street has been torn down. Really, nobody would really believe this, but as God is my witness, it really happened. If I was offensive, I'm sorry. 
the other thing is like when I first started reading the, it's very short entry. And so at first I was like Denny Street. Uh, okay, I'll look for a Denny Street in Bremerton. And there is one, but it's way up north. It's not where the shipyard is. And it says something about how like the Navy expanded and that's why it's gone. I'm like, well, this is not where the Navy expanded ever because it's like the rural part of Bremerton. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this doesn't make any sense that this is the Denny Street. I'm like, maybe there was a Denny Street because Denny is a name that's associated with this area there's like a founder in seattle named denny so it's like maybe there's a denny there was a denny down where the shipyard is and now it's gone because the shipyard moved around because it can't be this place but i made a tiktok of like this is the only denny in bremerton you know right here this like it's a very tiny street and it's so funny how this little story that only provides you just a handful of you know small details and names you know yeah. street names and whatnot sends you down this road right. where you're trying to it's like uh, reading tarot cards you know right. uh, like the cl- the tiny any clues in it yeah <laughs> yes you don't know what you're reading but you're trying to fit it into whatever is happening to you right this is a tangent my wife and i used to collect uh, answering machine tapes from thrift stores because they would have people's conversations recorded from the 80s like when they would pick up a phone call and they the answering machine would capture the whole call and so you'd only get this like three minute phone call of their conversation and there would be all this information packed into it and you would try mm-hmm. to like what do these people not like each other what's going on you know we do all this sleuthing the same kind of way because you only have this like blip of mm-hmm. information anyways it just reminds me of that oh I, I think that's wonderful like even if you get it totally wrong you're sent down paths where right. <laughs> you are working with uh, bits of information trying to piece them together in ways that nobody ever will or did before you like right. nobody ever thought about that street name until you <laughs> saw it in, in this magazine totally, totally. <laughs> so I went there though I went there recently I made a TikTok about it on Denny Street and I got two interesting responses from people because TikTok shows it to people that are nearby. One person's like, oh, I grew up right there and there used to be a pond and as kids we'd go into the pond and we'd try to capture fairy shrimp, which is just like sea monkeys apparently. And so I was like, okay, wait a second. Wording of that. (laughs) The fairy shrimp around this? Okay. And the pond's gone now. And then another person says like, oh, uh, you may not know this, but that road, Denny Street, there is actually a creek that runs underneath it that's only there during certain times of the year because of the weather mm-hmm. and it empties into the ocean if you follow it all the way down which is not very far and there's shrimp that are in there that I used to go catch as a kid and so I'm like wait wait a second so like that actually does kind of fit her story that if there was a building because there's no building there now mm-hmm. but if there was a building there it's obviously changed into something else but if there was apartments there and the creek was there uh, yeah, and this was the basement that was very run down. She had like right. holes in her walls. Right. It could have been that there's shrimp in that creek and there does go technically down to the ocean. I reread how that Navy thing is. It's just, oh, they tore it down because the Navy was expanding and, and they did tear down a lot of, they had built all this housing for the wars. Then they didn't need all those people there anymore. So they changed how the housing was because they built like really quick housing. They needed people working in the shipyard, but then it became not a thing they needed anymore. Bremerton used to have more people and now has less people than it did. I'm thinking now, dude, like if this was a movie, like you'd be sent down this path <laughs> looking for shrimps and creeks and whatnot and you'd end up in some kind of 
cave or whatever and find a pile of human bones of a murder <laughs> yeah i really i ha i really want to find a way to get into that creek and go down there and i don't know if i believe in this like idea of like a um, physical giant shrimp thing although i would you know it'd be really fascinating to encounter that but i do think that it's interesting that there was sh there are shrimp in that creek and mm -hmm. it's right there and that maybe it's like a, a mirage or something that or something like that is like a, a memory of something that why she saw it that way you know yeah i i interpret it like possibly a series of synchronicities that lead you into a treasure hunt right you know and who knows what you'll find you'll maybe find treasure maybe find a murder victim for the 40s <laughs> so, so, good, yeah who knows i would love to go dig in the, into that area personally and wander that those creeks and stuff i think also like i had this one paranormal thing that has happened to me before personally i haven't had too many personal things but when i was younger living in seattle i was cooking i was living in this big house with like a straight ahead vegan house like eight people but i was home alone at the time and i was cooking tofu scramble on the stove and i saw someone was uh i felt like someone was looking at me in the corner of my eye and i turned and it was me it was like something for a flash Wow. that looked like me looking at myself and like very curious about it. And uh, I, I mean, it freaked me out. It, it was kind of there and gone. Did you ever read into doppelgangers and what they mean? No, no. I, I, okay. <laughs> well, oftentimes they're perceived as omens of death or doom. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when was this? <laughs> this was uh, uh, probably 20 years ago. Okay, you're safe, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, death can be like the death tarot card, a change or a transformation. Right you know that's uh, true maybe it was a signal that you'll you'll be transformed by you know <laughs> the <Yeah>. story of <laughs> shrimpy <laughs> well that's what i was why i bring it up is because you know i came here and i've been investigating it i've been trying to get bremerton to take it on as like their mascot and like some city council people are even interested in this idea of like making it the town mascot and like dressed as this thing but like if i have this somehow kind of ability because i was what i was wondering about that period in time where i saw myself mm -hmm. is like is that me like constantly returning to that moment and i've almost like pierced the veil it's almost like uh replaying the same part of a tape over and over and over again or something and so i'm wondering if like I'm investigating Shrimpy and then becoming Shrimpy somehow, like if I go to this creek, do I end up like in Virginia Staples' basement dressed up like Shrimpy? You know, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yes, I actually become the thing that I'm searching for. Mm. This is this is a theme that I've noticed a few times on my show, most prevalently when I had Fred Anderson on. Uh -huh. uh, we talked about Gray Barker's first book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, trying to break down the hidden homosexual contexts because he was using that as an undertone in his writing. Yeah, And the mm -hmm. book opens with the Flatwoods monster and there's this uh, looming theme of like him seeing himself like the monster and through yeah. the monster talking about coming to terms with these feelings so like oftentimes we see these investigators researchers researching into a monster and kind of becoming avatars of the monster in a way <laughs> that is so weird it's such a fa so fascinating and I, I i see that with you uh -huh. uh, because you're, you're i mean you're dressing as shrimpy so right. i had on my show uh lisa russell from cryptid comforts she uh -huh. makes uh, plushies of cryptids and goes all around the united states on these uh, cryptid cons selling them 
but what she's been doing the past year or so is dressing up as the squonk and revitalizing uh-huh. the myth of the squonk and now uh, in august she's organizing squonkapalooza the first ever <laughs> convention right. for the squonk now you know dressing like the squonk and uh, masquerading as it uh, revitalized the myth and that allowed her to you know eventually create this con now right and I, it's funny because i wanted to do si- similar things here i've wanted to have like yeah. shrimpy fest and like <laughs> I, it's just fu- like is this like a what is this like the calling of becoming these cryptids <laughs> i don't know what it- and may- maybe it's just like a shrimp convention i don't know of, of professional yeah. shrimpers of, of, of you know seafood <laughs> right. like when i googled uh bremerton shrimp <laughs> I got yeah. some seafood restaurants in the results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever have you ever went to the seafood restaurant there that you have locally trying to pitch to them shrimpy? No, I have not. I I, I do think it should be like a yeah, it would be great to have some kind of restaurant themed around that. Like I wanted to make like a shrimp museum or something in town or cuz there, there's a lot of like empty storefronts. I'm like it would be so cool to have this weird place you know, with the history of it. And, cause, and there's other things that have happened here in Bremerton, like this, the Golden Mum, sorry, Chinese restaurant uh, in Bremerton over there where Shrimpy was seen, where this woman um, encountered two telepathic aliens in the Chinese restaurant. And she reported that in um, the Flying Saucer Review in the early 2000s. And then like L. Ron Hubbard is from here. This is like his childhood home. Okay, is uh, the Navy you have there the famous Scientology Navy? <laughs> Well, I think that is why he has the Sea Org is because he lived right there by the shipyard. Yeah. I think his in, that it, it influenced his interest in. I mean, I don't don't quote me. I'm not a Scientologist. I don't know that much about Elrond Humber, but this is a Navy town, and I that's where he grew up. I think it is involved. Also, I think if, if we got anything wrong about Elrond Hubbard, we're gonna get sued, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe ex- cut that out. Okay, so so you told me that you tried to uh, revitalize. Shrimpy oh. in the town, you know, by suggesting numerous things like shrimp museum and stuff like that. So oh, do yeah, you feel oh. that the things you suggest that resonate the most with the people are the ones that you least expect to resonate? No, I mean, I think everything's been hampered a little bit by the pandemic. I was feeling like I was building some momentum around making something happen. But, you know, everyone has gone indoors <laughs> So I don't know, and, and nobody saw a shrimp in their, uh, you know, laundry I, no, basement. I haven't, I haven't seen anyone tell me that they've seen a sim- have had a similar experience. No, but hmm, I'm trying to think about. I, what's cool is that there are people who have taken uh-huh. it. So there are artists and stuff. There's a person down on the street that is my favorite street in Bremerton's, but it's kind of you know undergoing revitalization. And it has a lot of empty storefronts, but there's a woman there who made a bunch of art around shrimpy, um, and that's cool. And there's a really cool old wall uh, that used to be a tavern, but then they tore it down and they just left like the foundation and it became like a spray paint wall. But then the city started allowing it as like a sanctioned place that you can go spray paint. So every day new art goes up in this place that used to be like this old bar. It's constant revolving and people have done big shrimp murals on that. And so it's cool that other people have taken on it, it on for themselves as well. Because I do think it's a cool thing to have as like an identity of Bremerton. No one else has a giant shrimp i did <laughs> there was like a, a city or sorry a, a state legislator person who lives in town who represents bremerton uh, for a state of washington and she was introducing a bill into congress to make bigfoot the washington state 
cryptid. And I was like, wait a second, what are you doing? You live in Bremerton. You got to be representing Shrimpy. So I had like people email her and like made like a change.org petition, <laughs> try to get Shrimpy as the state mascot. But uh, that bill just died. So mm. I know uh, Wyoming was the first state to try and have uh, an officially recognized state cryptid or mythological animal, obviously the jackalope, but nothing oh. ever happened of that. And the reason they're doing that is because the town of Douglas, Wyoming, profits a lot from the uh, right. jackalope. And I think they even have a trademark on the jackalope. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you need to trademark Shrimpy to, <laughs> to provide them a reason to promote it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I want I wanted to say like oftentimes when when I go into, you know, research of these monsters, cryptids, all of these that stick, even like those that stick like years after they're seen, mm -hmm. they stick because uh, people talked about them, they were in the public consciousness and then some kind of event happened that permanently, uh, you know, became associated with that cryptid. Mm. Like let's say the Mothman, you know, uh, people were seeing the Mothman for a few years around Point Pleasant and then the Silver Bridge collapsed. And now right. that solidified the Mothman into the public consciousness. So it's like your role is to preach shrimpy, you know, to keep it in the public consciousness, but it still is waiting for something to happen, not a tragedy like the Silver Bridge collapse, but right. something, some kind of event, something meaningful to the town to happen, to become associated with shrimpy so it can become an icon. I was thinking about this because there's another TikTok that I did that got really popular. I hadn't expected this to get as popular as it did but it has to do with the dream park in Bremerton um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen this no but can, can you tell us about that so where I live there's this park that is abandoned that is all gated off and it's run by the city but uh, you're not allowed to go there uh, or it's owned by the city but because of the way neighbor's situation is I can't actually access it from the back so I had lived here for a year and had no idea there was a park right there because it's kind of like hidden so it's like a secret garden or something so when my neighbor said there's a park there. It's like, what? I talked to my other neighbor and she said, oh yeah, I've seen a, a raccoon go down the slide on that. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, I gotta, I gotta get a trail cam in there. I was like, so I made a TikTok about that. Trying to, I did catch a raccoon hanging out in it, but not going down the slide, unfortunately. So I was like, what is this park? So I was like, so fascinated with this park that's been sitting there for 15 years. And I, I think this is also like symbol of that re-mythologizing the landscape thing, because it's just like a place that has no, you know, it's like a, in a liminal place it has no purpose really it's like a little yeah, square is, is it like a square of park space that's you know uh surrounded by concrete yeah yeah well it has a fence and it has like a little bit of a flat area with uh two parking spots for cars but it's all gated off and really overgrown wow that is very liminal man and that's yeah. like you know i'm i'm assuming this is a you know a modern town yeah so concrete everywhere and yeah. in 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 the middle of this urban area this little square of natural space that's trying to overgrow uh within <laughs> this concrete <laughs> right right yeah and so i just became obsessed with it i made all these tiktoks about that constantly and like new things would come out of that i started researching like wh why is this park even here and why is it closed off and i think there was a gang problem in the early 2000s so they decided to just close it off so people wouldn't go there at night but but it's like it's like a caged animal right. in the middle of your town right <laughs> totally like <laughs> And I, I wanted to know where it came from, and it ended up there was a spiritualist church that used to commune with the dead, and 
they're the ones who gifted the property to the city. So that's interesting that it has this like history about that. But then I decided to do this TikTok where I dressed as Shrimpy and I had this game idea where I took a box and I put mm-hmm. a mystery object inside of it that I didn't tell anyone what it was. And I put it in the park in the like one of the tubes on the play structure. And I said, you know, come here in your dreams because you can't come here physically. You're not allowed to come to this park. But come here in your dreams and open, find this box, open it up and tell me what you see in the box in your dreams. And I'll be here as Shrimpy waiting for you. And I had like some highlighters and markers. Like I was like a secretary uh, in the dream world. And I said, you know, come do this. And like hundreds of thousands of people saw this video and tried it, you know, and people were saying that they had dreamt, they saw me, they saw my shadow self and I had burning flames <laughs> for my eyes. And I was like, oh no, what have I done? They saw the doppelganger that yeah, you saw 20 years <laughs> earlier. Yeah. yeah. Someone made a TikTok about how I was trying to harvest everyone's souls or something i mean tiktok's wild but but all these people tried it and someone did kind of get close to the what the object was which is interesting i actually petitioned so i was helping a city councilman run for the job and i was like we should make this an official dream park because it's not doing anything else it should be a place that people can come to in their dreams and it should be like a city thing like (laughs) And how how did they react to that? <laughs> she was all for it. She gave gave a speech as Shrimpy at her campaign uh-huh. like wow. party to like make this a dream park. Only in Washington, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a funny idea. I think it's like we'd be the only have the only dream park that I know of. Yes. You know, so it's like that place. And I I think that is like a part of that re-mythologizing. Like you could take an old vacant lot and turn it into something magical, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that or like find the magic in it. If you just like dig into it a little bit and stare at it long enough, weird stuff starts popping out. Yeah. My friend Todd Purse oftentimes says like, and I think he is quoting Joshua Kutchen when he says this like the point is not to make the world magical it's to remind ourselves that the world is magical yeah i love that yeah Mm -hmm. and i i see like in urban areas we're covering everything in concrete uh we're making everything perfect you know as you said like we need some of that trash and garbage around the place (laughs) just for novelty's sake you know (laughs) (laughs) so we're making everything uniform and perfect and uh polished and clean and uh you know the natural world is not like that (laughs) Right. So um, we're losing the magic by by covering it in urban in- infrastructure, but still in the urban environment, we have a lot of these liminal spaces, as you say, hey, hey this square of greenery in the middle of the town. Yeah, I think... People should go look for those places in their town because I feel like they're everywhere. I think that's something the map has helped uncover. It's like when we, after we made that map, you know, Jeremy started talking about the weird places where he grew up, you know, because we at first we just did Liminal Seattle and then we did, okay, let's do Liminal mm-hmm. Earth. So he started doing like the weird places in Florida where he grew up. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I can't really do that. I lived in a boring town. There's nothing there. Our mutual friend AP Strange was doing a lot of these entries for Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then I was like, well, 
uh, and then I was like, well, there was this place called the Gates of Hell. And then, I, and then I started like going down like my memories of like, oh yeah, and there's this and this, and there's a lot more there. You know, you forget sometimes all the little places. And I think if you go look around, there's places that you've overlooked. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would really think people should dig into their little towns um, and what's going on there. What's What are the urban legends and where do they come from? And mm-hmm. I think that's a good, if I could tell one more thing that happened. Sure. Jeremy and I, when we were first starting too, we looked at, uh, you know, what are the old urban legends from Seattle? And the one that we found called the Screaming Well, which is like this well that's in like South Seattle in this town called Renton or Tukwila, where like if you find the well, you put your ear to it, you'll hear like disembodied voices that will follow you home or something. We're like, okay, we got to go find that. So we went looking for that and we never, we haven't found it ever, but we keep going in the same vicinity where it supposedly is and weird stuff always happens. Like that is where we keep having the mystery oranges appear do you know about this like the big pile okay can can you tell us about that that's the most crazy i mean it's not crazy but it's just so weird Yeah, there's this uh, place called the Black River Riparian Forest uh, that's right there. At the trailhead, someone or so, something keeps dumping these giant piles <laughs> of peeled oranges. And so someone reported it to us and we're like, oh, that's weird because that's the place we go to looking for the screaming well. And then, and then it happened a couple months later, like, wait, again? And then we went back and there were some locals there and they're like, oh, yeah, this has been happening for like five years and like, no, I, no one knows who's doing this. Okay, what, and this- is this is not this is not orange peels, but rather peeled oranges. Peeled oranges, not the peels. No peels. Yeah. Okay. And are they are they like round or are they separated into those? They're like chunks? They're, they're little spheres. And actually, there was one time that there was a unpeeled orange that was in the center of it. And so we took that one. We call that the queen orange. Jeremy has preserved it in like alcohol. <laughs> It's like a specimen, but like, yeah, it's just like this mystery thing. And the other thing is like one time we went looking for the screaming well there. This is before the oranges, but in the same place that the oranges show up right at that trailhead, we encountered this man with a silver car who was wearing these goggles and they had antennas on the goggles. And we're like, who, what is going on? (laughs) Who is this person? He like flipped his goggles up and he said, hey guys, want to fly? And we're like, what is going on? And he opened his trunk and he had all these goggles and he put them on Jeremy and I and our kids. And he said, hold on to my car. So we had to hold on to his car. And he then he flew a drone around the forest and we could see through the camera of the drone. Uh-huh. And it came up and it filmed us. And then, so we could see ourselves outside of our body. You had to hold his car because otherwise you get like dizzy. So it looks like, okay. At first I was just like, who is this? Like, it looks like a time traveler wow. or something, you know? He's like simulating an out of body experience for you right. guys. So it's just like, okay, oh, it's some guy who's really into drones. But then the more we thought about it, I was like, this is kind of like a weird fairy experience or something. Yes. The edge of the forest takes you flying, get out of body experience. He, uh, he had TikTok tattooed on his knuckles, which is very like white rabbit-ish, you know? It was mm-hmm. very like, and so now this is where the oranges keep appearing. And there's other things that have happened in that park every time we go there that are a little more, I, I not something to really share, but they're weird, weird stuff has happened there. 
uh, for sure. And like that, we keep digging into that area. It's also like the rivers. There's like the Duwamish River, which is named after the tribe that like Chief Seattle's Duwamish. And then there's the Black River. And there, I think the other one's the Cedar River. But uh, when the white folks came, they kind of just destroyed all those rivers and re, you know, rerouted mm-hmm. them how they wanted. So it's kind of all been t- polluted and messed up. Yeah. It, yes. It's like, it's like the natural world being tampered with by humans. Like I, I could imagine them renaming the river. Right. Um, but rerouting a river is like a whole other level of liminality and yeah they're loss. draining it and me- yeah so that is something we've wondered recently is like is this why we're why we keep being pulled here is to like somehow talk about this or like is there something we're supposed to find in regards to that mm-hmm. there is it is it somehow the river trying to communicate with us yeah anyway so that's just something that we're that's kind of an ongoing thing because it does seem like every time we go there something weird happens it's like a place that delivers for us every time and do you think that these places which are you know urbanized and tampered with by human hands uh, allow for more of these strange weird events maybe maybe there's something that's kind of like um disturbed like mm-hmm. disturbing the earth or the soil you know and so it kind of bubbles up in a, a weird way and we, and we get a message in a way that's not as linear as we are used to i don't know yeah but we oftentimes associate those things with l- rural areas or you know uh-huh. with the distant past but it's like these things are now bubbling and you know they're covered the land is covered in concrete so it finds these nooks and crannies through which to bubble oh yeah over well, that's interesting yeah it's like a what's that called like a place where it can flow out of that's actually where the wastewater treatment plant is too for seattle so it's like right in that same area okay d- did you guys ever consider i mean obviously liminal earth and stuff like that did you ever consider Gaian or earth consciousness as a component of all this weird stuff because that's something i talk about a lot on my show no, no. i mean i don't know anything about that unfortunately okay so i i'm known as the gaia theory guy i go on okay. other podcasts talking about the gaia hypothesis which is is essentially that planet earth is a super organism composed of us and everything living on this planet you know that we are cells of a giant organism mm-hmm. so i see uh, oftentimes these ecological threads and commonalities in all of the these paranormal fortian events that kind of link back to a potential earth consciousness communicating with us or the oh. land trying to lure us in to uh, tell its own story yeah i think that that is i would love to know more about that because it does seem often like what you know a conclusion or like what we're when you talk to bex and jeremy they're really always interested in how the plants what the plants Mm -hmm. of a haunted location have to do with what's going on there so i think yeah i'm definitely into this i should you should uh hook me after this you should hook me up with the podcast i should listen to. oh yes around that yeah i i see this like very often like i read a ufo book and then there's a case like a little girl was trying to break uh, pussy willows from a tree and then two of her friends went back to the house to take scissors so they can you know cut the branches of the tree and when she was trying to break the branch alone a ufo appeared before her (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's always like there is this theme of uh, disturbing the land. And even with like contactee cases, it's always be it Space Brothers or Marian visitations, you know, from the Virgin Mary. It's always uh, stop your nuclear weapons, save the planet, right. stuff like that. <laughs> and I see like even this raccoon that you um, tried to film for TikTok. Yeah. Like it's an animal in the middle of a city. And it's one of the only animals that make their way back to the city. And, you th- 
you know, it can act as some kind of messenger of nature itself. Yeah, we actually named our, uh, we have like the salve that Jeremy made out of uh, fringe cup, which is this native plant here that he found some folklore about how it helps you see in the dark um, and like fairies use it or something. So he made Mm -hmm. this uh, salve that you put on your eyes, on your eyelids for that purpose. But we called it King Arvon, which is the name of that park. And it has mm-hmm. the raccoon, the raccoon from the park as like the mascot. Because yeah, I, I, you're right about that. I think that, that that park actually had, there was a bunch of raccoon. That's how I eventually actually first heard about it is that I was talking about the raccoons and the neighbor's like, oh yeah, there's some raccoons that live in that park back there. And I'm like, what park? What are you talking about? And he was upset about these raccoons always messing with stuff. That's the source of it all is those raccoons that are kind of troublemakers, but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, so regarding Seattle or Bremerton, are there a lot of anomalous events associated with the sky or happening in the sky? Sky. And not just UFOs, but anything. Hmm. Because when I think of urban environments, I see like everything is covered in concrete, as I said, hundred times already. So all of the monsters and fairies we chased off into the only liminal place there is that we cannot dominate and it's up in the sky. Right, right. (laughs) Well, I mean... Seattle did have, that's, you know, this is where the, sorry, my cat is. Uh, This is where uh, UFOs start, or rather flying saucers. And like the Maury Island incident. That's like right here. It's like right next to, between Seattle and where I live. And so I think there was a lot of that kind of thing. And, you know, I have a painting of this, but there was a period of time when there were these ghost blimps in uh, Bremerton because they, they were worried about an attack in Bremerton. So they put all these balloons in the sky with chains and then they lit all this smoke, made all this smoke so that if something were to come fly and try to bomb it, they wouldn't, it would hit these chains. But apparently mm-hmm. you could see these like big blimps like all over the city and there's still concrete blocks everywhere where they tied them to. That's interesting. So there's these weird, I have a painting of it, of these, what it looked like at the time. I'm trying to think of anything mod. It's hard because there's a big airport. So we just see lots of plane traffic Mm. and where where i was getting at so i contemplated adding to liminal earth a few things from my part of the world i don't know if i told you i'm from bosnia i live in Uh bosnia Uh so you know bosnia croatia serbia i already did add one story that happened in croatia but one i want to add on your uh, site is something that i covered quite a lot on my show known as the lubovia phantom or serbian mothman or whatever but in Uh 2005 in this small town in serbia there was a mass outbreak of sightings of a flying man in the sky with a cape. Ooh, oh, wonderful. But what happened is somebody released a helium balloon and the whole town lost its shit over imagining <laughs> this balloon as a flying man in the sky. And yeah. this made international news. So, you know, even if it is a stupid balloon, it is just something that added a novelty into a stagnating society in a small town in Serbia right. where nothing ever happens. Right. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So, I mean, you guys can (laughs) release a helium balloon or something and just see uh, see the (laughs) whole town lose its shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it would be here, especially because of the Navy, I think people would freak out. Oh, uh, there there would be another uh, battle, Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I, the thing is, like, uh, even though it is, you know, like there is a little city and town here, we are very close to the forests, 
and and complete wildness. So I think there's a lot of that. There, this is like Bigfoot area, and it's not far away from anything. Yeah, it's like this uh, transitional space that should mm-hmm. you know be very wide between the city and the wilderness is very very small where you are. If this yep. forest is so close to the city, it's very close. Yeah. Mm. On you know I I don't want to say this is related, but it is interesting. Uh, I did have I have this map when I got the Bremer book of the Bremerton history book. And in the very beginning, there's a map of Bremerton um, that's from the early 1900s. And it was like an ethnographer Mm -hmm. um, who went with the Suquamish tribe to map all of the locations. Their focus was on uh, the coastal area of, you know, like all the where all the creeks drain into the water. And so they they have like the name of the creek and like maybe a little bit of folklore or something on this map. And I actually have the I talked to the author i got the original map that was used in the book so i have that in my personal affix or whatever but there's one story of this creature that's not where shrimpy was seen but it's other it's, it's in bremerton it was like a snail woman like uh <laughs> and and i can't remember its name but she would she would kind of snatch children and she was like a snail weird i i know in virginia there was a snake woman yeah, but yeah. a snail woman that i did not hear of that ever yeah and and snails have little antennas too so i don't uh-huh. i don't know i mean i don't like to i don't want to say that this is related to you know indigenous folklore and stories but i do there is people have been telling stories about this place and non-standard entities they encountered you know mm-hmm. for a long time are there any bigfoot sightings near bremerton uh yeah there's a there's a really if you look up a kitsap bigfoot 911 call there's a you can hear this 911 call of this guy saying that like someone grabbed some bigfoot grabbed his dog and uh, he's seen it outside of his window and he's on the 911 call. You can listen to that. There's been a dog man sighting just down the street from me. And there's, that was on the dog man encounters podcast. That's just the, and the alley just a couple streets away from me. And mm-hmm. I went with my kid looking for that. And we found an empty can of dog food. <laughs> and it was so <laughs> funny. Like we we're out investigating. And that's what we found. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Bigfoot is like a big thing in this area right here. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. But, but you see, like I see the pair normal in all these events as co-creations between whatever the other is and the witness themselves. So somebody who sees a dogman is not seeing a dogman out there that everybody can see. It is their uh-huh. dogman, you know. <laughs> they are seeing the dogman for their own reasons, but what you are seeing is just trash that associates you to the dogman because it seems like <laughs> yeah. the more you search for these mysteries, the more you stumble upon trash. I think yes. trash yeah, is what you're trash. I'm telling you it's all about the t- that's the that's the the motto of this show is the f- looking for the trash even the pe- peeled oranges are, are like trash trash you know? true <laughs> well i think uh is it philip k dick was talking about the divine talks through the trash stratum i think it's something he brought up yeah so i'm always been interested in people's garbage and waste and and what it reveals garbage divination ah yeah <laughs> okay i'm gonna go dark like there's something called anthropomancy from i don't know the old greek roman days of cutting uh-huh. open a live human and based on the entrails you know doing divination <laughs> but like you can take a trash bag and just slice it open and <laughs> based on how the trash falls i don't know <laughs> yeah totally 
Like when we were doing that um that thing with the answer machine tapes, we actually did find this like someone had been evicted for like and we could tell like we found the eviction notes and it was several weeks old and all of this person's stuff was out and like we were going through the letters, we could see like what was happening and uncovered all all this information about this person's life and how they had suddenly taken a turn for the worse. And it was like I mean it was a really sad story that yes. happened to this person. But it, you can't like the there's all these little clues about what was going on and why the stuff was here and on the side of the road and i've always been fascinated by by that you know i don't want to invade people's privacy i mean but i do i am so curious about yeah but you see these are little bits of people's lives and you know chunks of their story that are scattered around their essentially trash you know Uh, history is trash and (laughs) it's trash us the Fortians are the, the garbage collectors. We're the only ones looking for for these pieces of trash and trying to make sense of them. Right. <laughs> well, you've really given me a different perspective. I didn't ever put this in words. And I, I never, I never expected. Like I thought, we we're just going to talk about shrimpy. But like, <laughs> I think this is such a cool thing. Like, wh- why, why is the paranormal the Fortian always associated with pulp? And you know, pulp magazines back in the day uh-huh. are part of gar- garbage cul- culture even you know garbage right. in the name it's a magazine that's uh, printed cheaply you read it you throw it away right. and all of these weird 14 events are kind of like the trash of history that are scattered out there and it's only us <laughs> the garbage men <laughs> uh, 14s trying to look for that because right. some people's trash is other people's tr- treasure i guess if we need to be cliched <laughs> i love it that's that's great yeah <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, we can end it there on a light note. Yes, listeners, the Fortean world is just a huge pile of trash, <laughs> and that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for the end, can you uh, tell the listeners where they can find you and also where they can find Liminal Earth if they want to look for more of these scattered pieces of trash all around the world? Yeah, we are on. Um, so our map is called Liminal.Earth. Um, that's where you can go find. And if you have a weird story, you can submit it there. We have a TikTok. We have a lot of weird stuff on that. There's some pretty funny videos. You can go see the piles of oranges and, and all that stuff <laughs> there. Uh, we have a Patreon, Liminal Earth. Uh, it's pay what you want. And we also have a Discord associated with that with a lot of cool weirdos in there. If you just want in on the Discord, you can just message us. We'll get you in there. And we are really avoiding Twitter. And moving away from that, and we have been doing a lot of stuff on uh, Mastodon instead. Uh, our friend uh, Vanessa started uh, Mastodon there, and we we want weirdos to come to that. Yeah, um, it's, it's the Weirdo Network. Weirdo Network. Yeah, so yes. we're ha- active there. That's uh, that's where I think people. I would love more people to migrate over there, and it's just mm-hmm. more friendly. And I'd encourage anybody who has a weird story just go to Liminal Earth and write it down. I know that you guys don't want any kind of personal information out there so just write down the story in any you know personal way you want just so it can be out there yeah like if it, some if it happened in your house or something we can even just mark it in the town that you're in or we won't put someone's home address yes uh, so. i even contemplated like uh, asking my prior guests who share their cool weird stories uh, on my show to i don't know get their stories on liminal earth like i interviewed somebody in canada who as a child in quebec uh, was skiing yeah. at a ski resort and she she and a couple of friends saw a Bigfoot wow. at the ski resort. But the thing is, they, they told the people who owned the ski resort and they did not believe them. And then the uh, next year where, when they came back to ski, uh, the people there were telling tourists about a supposed ghost in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Wow. That's really, that's, I, I hope they submit that. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Garrett, for joining me today. I really love this discussion. This is, this is my type of discussion all over the place. And uh, we end up just realizing that we're talking about a pile of trash. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad that we finally did it. It was fun. Yes. And uh, I should have Jeremy and uh, Bex, if possible, talking about weird plant and fungus stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, listeners, until next time, uh, everything is in the episode description. Go check out Liminal Earth if you don't want to contribute anything. Just, I don't know, randomly shuffle through the entries. There are some very, very weird ones in there. (laughs) And bye-bye.